we're going to jump into the t- today's chapel, and I want to say this, and, and you maybe have heard this quote before. There's a guy named Andy Stanley, pastors a, a pretty small church in Atlanta, Georgia. I, I, just kidding, it's like a church like 50,000, big church. But he says this, and it's a quote that I'm aware of, that time in erodes awareness of. Maybe you haven't heard that quote before. Maybe you haven't given much thought to that quote, even if you have heard it. But the idea that time in erodes awareness of. It can happen in every single area of your life. Time in can erode your awareness of how great the situation that you have it in your life. You, you can forget um, how great things really are in your life. If you, once you become, once you get married, time in can erode awareness of, of why you fell in love with that person. The time in can erode the awareness of the calling that God has placed on your life. That maybe you felt like God called you. You can remember like back to 10 years old or 12 years old or 14 years old or 16 years old where you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit spoke in your heart and, and, and it was something that you couldn't deny. It was something you couldn't get away from it. But the longer that you've gotten away from that call, you, you can sense sometimes that time in erodes awareness of. You can forget. You can live in your dorm so long that you can forget how messy your dorm is. Like you can, you can forget like, and it doesn't take long Febreze. I don't know if y'all, how many of y'all, y'all heard of Febreze before, right? You maybe use Febreze. I, I used to use it on my couches in college cause I played baseball in college and we stank. Like we didn't just stink, we stank and it was bad. And we would come back from practice, sit on our couches. And before my girlfriend at the time, she's my wife now, come on, she stuck it out all the way through college. She's amazing. But before she would come over, come, I would just be hitting Febreze all over the place. And Febreze calls it nose blind. Like you can become nose blind, like that your car smells like a locker room until your friend gets in and they start gagging. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, like, like it's a, but, but truthfully, it's a spirit, I believe it's a spiritual principle that time in erodes awareness of, that you can forget that what you're a part of here at Elam, that God is moving and that for generations God has been moving through this college, that God has been doing great things in generations previous and I believe that for generations to come, that you can be involved in something for so long you can forget how great it really is. Is. And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of uh, preach on this principle that for some of us in our walk with Jesus, that we could have spent so much time in that, we can, that the awareness can be eroded of how amazing our God is. That we can forget how, how, how much Jesus has saved us from. That maybe you don't have like a testimony, like a testimony to the to the point of like, man, I was a drug addict and this, that, and the other thing, and God saved me from all of that, and that's a great testimony. But how many of you know this to be true? And I know this, I went to a, a Christian college. That many of our testimonies in here is that God saved us from ever even having to walk down that path in order to redeem us. You, you may feel like you don't have a testimony. Can I tell you today, brother or sister, that if you've never experienced those things, you have the greatest testimony because Holy Spirit shielded you. Holy Spirit guarded you. Holy Spirit protected you so that you didn't have to walk through those things. But today, I want to bring something back in focus for all of us. And it's one of those messages that you will likely have heard everything that I'm about to say. Like, th- this is not one of those messages that, I, that is probably going to, um, like, be uh, profound in nature by, like, oh, my gosh, I've never had that thought. Oh, my gosh, I've never heard that scripture. But here's what I know, and here's what I've discovered, because I've been pastoring my church for seven years, and uh, we, we, me and my wife started that church, and then for seven years previous to that, we worked with middle school and high school students. And, and here's what I know about um, profundity or profoundness, is that, that often the, the path of discipleship, the, the path of sanctification, it's an 18-inch journey 
of the knowledge of God moving from our brain to our heart. That sanctification, that, 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 that discipleship, is, it's something that, that it moves from not just knowing things, but actually having a grasp on things. And not just having a grasp on things, but being able to apply those things. And today's message, um, I know this, and I've said it already, it may not be theologically profound, but the profundity of a message is not in its hearing. The profundity of a message is in its application. Because we could sit up here and I could parse Greek sentences for you and you would probably fall out of your chair just super excited with how exciting and amazing that would be. We could do all of those things, but today I want to give you something to hold on to. And, and, and today I want, to, I want to kind of walk through the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in this moment. And we see that, that Jesus is, is talking to these people that they were heavy in knowledge, but they were lacking in application. Can I, can I just give us a warning? May that never be true and may that never be said about any of us who are under the sound of my voice today that we would be heavy in knowledge, but we would be lacking in application. Jesus reserved his harshest words for those who were heavy in knowledge, but they were lacking in application. In Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34, we see that this is where Jesus sets up the great commandment. He says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35, and one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus or asked him a question to test him. They said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And so the, the Pharisees have put forth this lawyer. They, they say, hey, hey, why don't you go and why don't you try to catch Jesus? I love the religious folks. They were always trying to catch Jesus. They were always trying to back Jesus into a corner. And what I love about Jesus is you can't back somebody into a corner that they created. Like Jesus created the corner that they were trying to back him into. And this lawyer was hoping to catch Jesus slipping. You see, there were 613 Old Testament laws that this lawyer would have been keenly aware of. Jesus would have known all of them. And they would have memorized all of them from uh, as a child. Laws like do not partake in sorcery. Uh, teach Torah to your children. To leave get gleanings in the harvest. To not panic or retreat during battle. And 609 others. And so they ask Jesus the question. They question. Question him, which one of these is the greatest? And Jesus, he simplifies this entire thing. And notice something about life is that simple doesn't always mean easy. Simple things in life don't always mean they will be easy. He says this in verse 37. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then he says in verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And the great commandment that Jesus laid out 2,000 years ago, I want to echo today. It's what I want to bring back in focus. And maybe I believe that something specifically, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will specifically illuminate something for you today in your heart. Like I didn't fly up here and believe God for something great and ask God to give me a burden for the students of Elam for us to just kind of come up here and for me to speak for another 20 or so minutes and for us to just play games and go eat lunch. No, I truly believe that God sent me on a sign 
assignment so that something that you would, that would God, the Holy Spirit would illuminate something from the scriptures that you would be able to walk away with. It would be tangible. That it would change not just your today, but all of your todays from this day forward. If you're open to receiving from the Lord, would you like raise your hand? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus. Amen. Yes. We're ready. So today I want to give you a few things that I believe the great commandment is. The first one is this. It's a reminder of what's important. It's a reminder of what's important. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's a reminder of what's important. Something that I tell my team all the time, my staff, we have 26 staff and we have some amazing apprentices that aren't yet staff that, man, that God's just put something on their, on their heart. I tell them all the time, hey, my encouragement to you is to take notes in every season that you are in because there's going to be a time in your life where you come up against something and if you haven't written down what somebody already spoke over your life, it may just be absent of your memory, but God wanted to remind you of something, but you didn't have it written down. So my, my encouragement, and here's what I also believe, I believe that note takers are world changers and I believe that note takers also have bigger houses in heaven. So that's my theology. Anyways, the first, so a reminder of what's important and that's not, that's not good theology, that's a joke. A reminder of what's important. You see, in, in a world full of, of go, 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 you, you know this, in, in a world full of like meetings to go to and maybe you've got emails to respond to and papers to write and deadlines to hit and the on and on the list just goes and, and, and then there's, there's the personal side, there's the birthday parties and the hangouts and the serving at the church that you go to and, and then the, the friends that you, that you wanted to go hang out with and then the some that you got invited to go hang out with that you didn't really want to say yes to but you said yes to anyways and then there's the family get-togethers that sometimes just get awkward like how many of you have that awkward uncle that you're just like you wish you could like get away from him like yeah you're like please don't come around right yeah in a world full of all these things the great commandment is a reminder to all of us to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind to love your neighbor as yourself you know why this is so important this is so important because you and I can forget to remember did you know it's possible in your life that you to, to forget to remember. I was thinking about this in response to what scripture says, and this is why in the Old Testament you see that there was the 12 stones of remembrance. That God said, hey, I want you to, to, to put 12, as a reminder of everything that I have brought you from, that I've brought you out of slavery and that I've brought you into freedom, that I've brought you out of your yesterdays and I've got bright tomorrows for you. I want you to put up 12 stones of remembrance. You get to the New Testament and you see that Jesus institutes communion institutes communion that we would never forget to remember the sacrifice that he gave for us, that he was beaten, that he was whipped, that he was spit on, that he was mocked, he was cursed, that all of these things, that he was nailed to a cross and he set it up so that we would never forget to remember. You and I can forget to remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I, I know you've heard it before, but I want to ask you, do, don't, don't answer it out loud, but answer it in your spirit. Do you love the Lord God with all of your heart? Some of you may remember the song, The Heart of Worship. The lyrics go like this, when the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. It says, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, 
Jesus. There's a word that describes this for me, and it's one word. It's the word intimacy. I want you to think about your walk with Jesus right now. Would you use the word intimacy to describe your relationship with Jesus currently? I said this in our, our staff chapel, and I said this to our church a couple weeks ago, and I want to say it here, and I want to allow it to land on the right hearts. If you're taking notes, I, I want you to maybe try to take this down because I don't think I have it on the screen because I, I, want you to, I want you to think about this not just today but for days to come. I said this to our team and allow this to land again on the right hearts. I said, I don't care how talented you are. If you have no intimacy with the Father, you're operating out of a deficit in your life. And if you're operating out of a deficit, you're a liability to the kingdom of God. And if there's more being poured out than being poured in, I'm nervous for you. Let me say that again. I said, I don't care how talented you are. Because how many of you know that in ministry, you can operate out of talent and you can have a gifting. And people may never know there's a deficit in your soul going on. They may never know that there's no intimacy with God. And the bigger your talent, the easier it is to hide it. But you will know. And when you're operating out of a deficit, I've seen it happen on our staff team. I've seen it happen in too many pastors and people around the country that they're operating out of a deficit, that there's more being poured out than there's being poured in, that they're operating out of personality and not out of anointing. And I truly believe that for all of us who are preparing to be sent out onto the mission field, whether that's in the local church or in business or in social work or wherever we are, I believe that God is calling us to, to allow intimate moments with him to, be, to allow him to pour into us so that as we're pouring out, there's not a deficit. Because when there's a deficit, you start faking it. And when you start faking it, you start withering. And when you start withering, you'll start crumbling. And when you start crumbling, there's casualties of people all around you that have no business being taken out by the decision that you made and you could have made it a long time ago today at Elam you could have said you know what I'm, I'm going after God intimacy with him is the most important thing you will ever pursue in your relationship with Jesus people talk about burnout in ministry and here's what I want to say about burnout and I heard Crawford Loritz say this one time that burnout takes place when there's too much distance between who you are and what you do that burnout happens when there's too much distance between who you are and what you do. When the personhood of who you are and the chasm between what you do is too far, you will experience burnout. But when there's a sweet intimacy with Jesus, come on, there is no, there is no mountain that you can't climb. There's no distance that you can't run. And that doesn't mean be stupid and burn the candle at both ends and don't Sabbath. It doesn't mean all of those things. And all of those are principles and they're smart. It simply means this, that the intimacy with, intimacy with Jesus will take you to places that you could never imagine. So what if this is true, Pastor Kenneth? What do I do? Do I, do I just quit leading worship if, if, if there's a deficit? Do I quit leading in my ministry if there's a deficit? No, no, I don't think you need to quit. I just think you need to remember. To remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's a reminder of what's important. The second thing, it's a revival of passion in your life. Because when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it stirs something in your life. It stirs a revival of passion. If the first word that described the descriptor of the first piece that we were in is intimacy, the second piece, the word I would use to describe is the word passion. 
I want to ask it another way. How's your fervor for the Lord? I don't, we don't use fervor a lot. But fervor is defined like this, as an intense and passionate feeling. Let me pose it like this. Did you used to worship God with more passion than you worship with him now? Did you used to read the word of God with more passion than you read it now? Or is the only time you study the Bible when it's assigned to you in your class? Like we're called to be pastors, we're called to be ministers, we're called to be missionaries, we're called to, to go out and go into the world. But can I tell you, if, if you start the habit now of only reading the word of God when it's assigned to you in a class, it will follow you into ministry. And you will only time you will read your Bible is when you're preparing for a lesson or you're preparing for a sermon. You're preparing, and there is no way that you can develop intimacy or passion if that is the only time that you spend with Jesus. I have a feeling it's quiet because we're, I'm getting into your business today. Is that, am I, is that maybe? In page one of my, my prayer journal, um, I brought my prayer journal with me. I literally have it. It says, um, it says how's my soul? It's a question that I ask myself every, every day that I spend time with Jesus. How's my soul? And I want to ask you today, how's your soul? It's important to take inventory. Because you know when your soul is blossoming and you know when your soul is withering. And as a follower of Jesus, it is your responsibility to nurture your soul. Like you can come to chapel, you can go to church, you can do all those things. But your soul is your responsibility. Does that make sense? Like at the level that you are and the level that we are, we're all disciples and we all grow from church. And we all grow from the, the groups, that, the small groups that we may find ourselves in. We, may, we, we grow in class and do all of those things. But our, our discipleship is our responsibility. How do I nurture my soul? Things like private worship. Y'all, I, I, um, I, I tended the windows in my car for one reason. is because I want to worship Jesus without people thinking I'm crazy going down the road. Come on, there's sometimes when I've just got to throw on like that, that song or that, that album. There's a song uh, me and my wife have been worshiping too recently called Sound Mind by Melissa Helser. And Sound Mind for the Spirit, so the Spirit of Fear, so that I could see clear, like a sound mind. Like I've been throwing this on, just worshiping, just going after God and just saying, God, I need, I, I, you've given me a sound mind. It's not something I have to strive for. You've given, helped me live in that private worship is so important. Reading the Word is so important. And I, I, I harp on this. This with our church and with our staff so much. There is nothing, there is no way you can replace reading the word of God with anything else in your spiritual life. There is nothing that will supercharge your relationship with Jesus more than reading the word of God. Prayer, that's how you nurture your soul. Sabbath is how you nurture your soul. Healthy rhythms is how you nurture your soul. And I said this before, I've said this before to our church, but I want to say it to you, is one of the greatest ways that you can nurture your soul is by saying no to things that are good things that are not God things. I want you to think about this, that it's possible that you are a few no's away, things that are good but they're not God, a few no's away from a revival of passion in your life. The great commandment's a reminder of what's important. It's a revival of passion in your life. Check out verse 37 again. He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And for me, you could, as I was thinking about this mind piece, you could take this two ways and I couldn't decide which way to go, so I chose both. I'm going to hit them both very, very quickly. The first one is this. It's a renewal of commitment to development. A renewal of commitment to development. 
What if the students and the staff of Elam were known as people who give themselves to being relentlessly developed? Like when people hired someone from Elam, they knew the type of person they were getting. And the temptation will be is, is like, you know what, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm in a good spot and, you know, good enough is, it, it feels good enough every now and then. But, but I, want you to, I want you to think about this for a moment. If, if we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and our mind, like don't, don't see reading the book that you're reading for the class just to be growing in knowledge and getting smarter, but have vision to see it as loving the Lord your God with all of your mind. Don't see that just going to class as just growing in knowledge or being smarter, but have vision to see it as loving the Lord your God with all of your mind. Don't see the personal development that you put in just as a box that you were checking. See it as another way to honor God with the gifts that he has given you. That was the first path of the mind. The second one is this. It's a little bit more personal. It's a recommitment to healthy boundaries. Your mind is a powerful force, and you should protect it. As followers of Jesus, you and I should monitor what we allow into our minds. Let me not get specific, but let me ask you, what will you and what won't you allow into your mind? Oh, pastor, that's legalistic. That's not legalistic. Like as followers of Jesus, we're called to be set apart. We're we're called to be different. The things that we allow on our our feed, the things that we allow, the people that we follow, the things that we look at, the websites that we go to, like we're called, we're called to be different. And one of the things I know that for, for, I worked with middle school and high school students and we have a lot of college students around us. And what I know about all people in general is that, that, that I feel like that this generation is riddled by is pornography. Can I go there, Pastor? Is that okay if I, if I say that? Here's what I know about pornography. Here's what I know is that God has called you. God has a, de- he has a calling on your life. He has a destiny for you to fulfill. And one of the greatest things that will derail you is the shame and the hiddenness of sexual sin. And God will call you, and there's a purpose on you, and you're going after it, and you're going towards it. But I'm telling you, like, God, God, as you, as you go after that passion, as you go after that destiny, after that calling, as we, as we find ourselves stumbling maybe in that sexual sin, allowing things into our mind that shouldn't be there, it puts space between us and our calling. It's put space between us and our purpose. And it's not God moving away. It's the shame. It's the condemnation. It's the guilt. It's all of the things that we place in between us and our calling. Can I tell you today, like, don't let it go on another day. Find someone that you can be accountable to. Find someone, like, when I was in college, if my door was closed, I made a deal with my roommate. I said, listen, here's the deal. If my door is closed and my laptop or my phone is in my, is in my, uh, in my room, I want you to wake me up. And I don't care if I'm sleeping in the middle of the night. I want you to wake me up and keep me accountable to this because I want to honor God. I want to honor Sherry, who is now my wife. I want to, I want to live, I want to live free. There's no greater gift than a clean conscience in your life. There is no greater gift to be able to follow after Jesus, to be able to run after him, to be able to pursue everything that he's placed on your life. The calling on your life is so big. And it's not worth forfeiting to have this little silent addiction because here's what people will think. There's two camps. They'll either tell you this, it's not that big of a deal, everybody's doing it, or nobody will understand. 
And can I tell you that there's probably somebody in front of you, behind you, left of you, to the right of you, somewhere around you that is struggling with the same exact thing that you are struggling with. And I'm going to encourage you, like, bring it into the light. There's nothing that can kill sin faster than bringing it into the light. A recommitment to healthy boundaries. Are we good? Are we okay? Are we okay? All right. I'll make sure we're all right. I want to. I want to kind of. I want to look at the second part, and then we'll we'll have some time, have a moment. The second piece of the great commandment. It convicted the mess out of me. I want to read it in its entirety again. Thirty-seven through forty. Said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets." He says, "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." And yeah. I, I truly believe that, that Jesus meant that for me to love Sherry, and I, I love my bride. She's my best friend. Come on, can I just encourage you? If you find your best friend, marry her, marry him as quickly as, okay, no, not as quickly as possible in a, in a weird way, okay? Don't get dumb. We dated for three and a half years, okay? We dated for two and a half, got engaged, dated for another year in, of engagement, and got married, okay? So I'm not like, it's not ring by spring or your money back. I know how Christian college goes, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard that one? That's a good one. That's a good one right there. Okay. If you haven't heard that, like you hold the door for somebody and you're dating all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, we didn't know that was happening. Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> and, and God, I, I do believe God called me to love my family. I love my, I love my bride. I love my son. He's six. He's, he's so, he's so dang cute. I'll show you pictures afterwards. If you want to see, he's amazing. Just play his first soccer game on Saturday. He's going to be like Pele or something. He's awesome. I believe God called me to love my family. I believe that God meant for me to love my staff and my team at United. I, be, I believe that. I believe that, that, that God has called me to love all of my friends who know him. But, but this is where I was convicted. Because I don't believe that's where God was, was stopping this commandment. I, I don't think it was just for the people that know him. And the last thing I, I want you to see from the great commandment is this. It's a return to loving the lost and the found. And let me, let me tell you what, this is where I was convicted. I told you about my prayer journal. I showed you the, the opening page of that. But I had an old journal. It was the same exact journal, but I've since updated it with people that move in and out of your life and things that happen. But I, I was updating my journal, and I, I got to this page, and, I, and in the last page of my book, I, I keep... What, it just says names at the top, and it's people that I'm, I'm praying for to just accept Jesus. Like, I, I want them to, to know God. I want them to have the freedom that I've had. I want them to, to have the, the purpose that I've had. I want them to, to, to make a difference like I'm making. Like, there's people that I pray for. And somewhere between the, the previous journal that I had and the new journal that I made, as I was transitioning the people over and the prayers over that I was praying, literally I had left the, the page that said names, I had left it blank. And for months, for months, why would I say this? This is embarrassing, I get it, but this is, this is just, I, I want to prove the point of where I'm going with this, is for months I had gone without praying for the lost people that God had given me a burden for in my life. And I was like reading this, to love the Lord and my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, and then to love my neighbor as myself. 
And I was like, how am I loving my neighbor as myself? Like, I'm a pastor. Pastors, we, we become professional Christians when professional Christians just hang around other Christians. And then they have Christians who hang out with those Christians and who hang out with those Christians. Like, all you know is Christians. And when you're on a Christian college campus, sometimes all of your friends become, you get in this little cocoon. We, we got to, like, we got to burst out of that thing. And I was reminded as I was, I was so convicted of this. And I started thinking about this, like, God, why is this so true? And here's why I believe it's true is because I believe it's the propensity for all of us that the longer we're saved, the harder it is that we forget to remember what it was like to not be saved. That we forget what it was remembered to not have the hope that we have, the purpose that we have. We, we forget what it's like when we drift. And that day I was, I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm recommitting myself to loving the lost. And so I've since then, I've asked God, I said, God, would you give me five names to start with? Five names. And so my, my journal's back. It's not blank. There's five names. God, would you give me five names? A couple of them are Dover police officers. One of them, a guy works in Starbucks. One of them works for a construction company. One of them works at Dover High School. He's one of the, one of the custodians where we, we actually meet. I, God, would you, would you be with... Alvin, would you be with Jonathan? Would you be with Ray? Would you be with Tyler? Would you be with Tom? God, would you, would you allow them to have a moment with you, God, where they just, they come face to face with the creator? And God, would they, would they have a sense that their life would be meaningless if it not for you? God, would you, would you allow them to have a, a place or a moment, a space where they just, where, where Holy Spirit, you convict them of maybe the direction that they're going, but it's not like a conviction and like, a, oh gosh, it's a heavy way, but it's such a sweet way that they, that they just want to know you. They want to pursue you. They want to love you. God, would you give me, uh, would you give me a burden for people in my life that are lost? And I just wonder if in some of our pursuit of ministry, and this is one of the things that I tried so hard when I was in, in college to never forget, is that ministry doesn't start the day that you graduate. Ministry starts the day that you're called. Ministry doesn't start the day that you, like, step into that and you move your books into the office at the church where you're going or wherever your office may be. It doesn't start when you get the plane ticket to go overseas on the mission field that God has called you to. Ministry doesn't start then. Ministry starts, let's just say it for no other better, let's, ministry starts today. And so, God, when I walk into the coffee shop, God, when I, walk into, when I walk into the store, God, when I walk into the mall, when I walk into the gas station, God, wherever it is that, you've, that, that you have placed me, God, would I realize that I've been called there on purpose, God? Would I realize that I've been called to be a light and to love people and to see them, God, as you see them? God, give me eyes, that you, eyes just like you have, eyes to see these lost children of the world, as crazy as the world around us may be, as broken as the world may be around us. Like, we have to know this, is that the God of the universe is still madly in love with these people he sent his son Jesus to die for them that while we were still sinners Christ died for us while people were still struggling with transgenderism Christ died for them while, God, while, while people were still struggling with their sexuality and they're all of these things trying to work and sort all of these things out Christ died for them God give me eyes to see God, help me to have a love for the lost and a love for the found. And so today, I wonder, can somebody come play keys for me? Would that be okay, just so we can have a moment? Could anybody play some piano or keys? Yeah, it doesn't. I just want to give us a moment, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want, I want to kind of take us for a second on a journey.
And can I just give you an opportunity today to just say, God, I'm, I'm, I have forgotten to remember, but God, today I'm, I'm reminded. And so because I'm reminded, I'm not going to walk away from this moment. And just act like this didn't happen. I'm not going to go to lunch and just act like I didn't hear from you. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wonder if you, if you want to make your seat at the altar, you want to come to the front, whatever it is. I, I don't know what, what part of this hits you today. I don't know what piece of this struck you today, but I have a feeling that God sent me on mission And so how are you doing with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, loving your neighbor as yourself? I just want to allow the Holy Spirit to do what Holy Spirit does. Again, make your seat your altar and come to the altar, whatever it is that you want to do. God, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Lord, today... Lord, I pray that for those who have forgotten to remember, God, all that you have done, how beautiful you are, how amazing you are. God, I pray that today would just be a sweet reminder to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, to love our neighbor as ourself, Jesus, thank you for how kind you are. That documented in your word, when the Pharisee, the lawyer would would come to you and try to paint you into a corner, Father, that your heart shone through. And God, we just can't tell you how grateful we are today to just say, Lord, you are worthy of our praise that the calling that you have placed on our life, God, would we nurture that? Would we pursue you? Father, take us back to the innocence. God, I pray for those who have found themselves maybe struggling with what they're allowing to enter into their mind. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would free them, God, right now. Free them right now. God, make them be determined in their mind and determined in their heart to lean into you, God. To not leave it in the darkness any longer, but bring it to light. So Jesus, we, we just tell you that our life is yours. God, bring revival to our spirits. Bring revival to our hearts, God. And God, today we we put a flag in the ground as a marker to say, God, we are yours. God, break our heart for the lost in our life. And God, if we don't have lost people in our lives, God, will we open our eyes to see that when we're out and about, God, wherever it is that you've placed us, that there are people who don't know you, God. And Father, it doesn't mean that we're having to lead them to to you right then and there, but God, we're just loving on people, just being different, being a light. So God, you're, you're good to us and you're kind to us and you're gracious. 
It is your kindness that draws us to repentance, that leads us to your heart, deeper into who you are, God. And so today we just want to acknowledge you. You're good.